Welcome to the Do Good Radio Hour with Bluegrass Community Foundation. Here at Bluegrass Community Foundation, we believe doing good inspires good. It's the gift that keeps on giving. The intention behind the show is to encourage you by sharing the undeniable good happening within our community. Tune into the Do Good Radio Hour every Monday at 2 p.m. to hear about the good that is the heartbeat of our community and how you can get more involved. BGCF is excited to invite Ben Self on the show today. He is the co-founder of West Six Brewing. At West Six, Ben and his team not only like to make good beer, but it is an organization extremely cognizant of their social impact on the community. And that is a top priority for them, which explains West Six connection with us, BGCF, through the West Six for a Cause Foundation. It is an extremely charitable foundation that is using all the benefits of what it means to be a fund holder here at BGCF. So hello, Ben. BGCF is excited to speak with you today. I'm great. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. To kick us off, why don't you tell us more about you and your background? Sure. Yeah. So we uh, started uh, West 6th. Uh, we're coming up on our 10th birthday. So just a little bit over 10 years ago. And uh, when we started it, I think we saw um, my background before West 6th was in um, politics and technology and helping uh, organizations and corporations use the internet to raise money, communicate more effectively. And we worked with a lot of major um, uh, nonprofits, national nonprofits, and small nonprofits with that. And I think we saw the same problem with many of them where they start a nonprofit to try to help solve a problem, problem whether that's, you know, cure a disease or help education or, um, and, you know, many, many things. And then what they end up doing is spending most of their time uh, raising money just to be able to support their activities to do those sorts of things. And so, you know, we kind of recognize this this model is it, you know while it works really well in some ways it also you know is is very challenging for lots of lots of nonprofits out there and so we had this idea of how do we start a company whose sole goal isn't just um making money but but also it does have a positive impact on the community you know so you pair that with a passion for uh, craft beer and a huge recognition that, um, you know, Kentucky, while it's been famous for bourbon for a long time, uh, really uh, 10 years ago in particular was behind, behind the time in terms of uh, craft beer and number of breweries and the kind of cool things that breweries can have an, uh, an impact on the community. And so uh, West Six was born. Just so I'm, I'm just curious as well, but also I'm sure our listeners, you have locations in many different cities. Is that right? Correct. We started with just the one here in Lexington, which is down on 6th Street in the old uh, Rainbow Bread factory that we used to, uh, lots of us grew up here, used to go on uh, field trips and things like that too. Um, and then uh, we opened a farm in Franklin County, which is a 120 acre uh, piece of property, just kind of north of Buffalo Trace and north of downtown down there, uh, where we, uh, but you can go out there and go hiking. There's mountain bike trails. There's a new disc golf course opening up, but we also have a tap room that's all production out there. And so people can come out and kind of see the hops field, see the um, apple cider, uh, apple trees and the blackberry plants. And uh, while nothing's at a scale that, you know, was going to supplant all our usage, we go through hundreds of thousands of pounds of grain every year and thousands of pounds of hops. Um, it does allow people to re- kind of remind them on the side that beer at the end of the day is an agricultural product and it depends on the earth. Um, that's one of the things we like to talk about is why, you know, 
we ab absolutely being environmentally friendly is core to everything we do because you know this year there's been massive droughts in the west or last year there were massive droughts in the west coast we had to use those hops all year long this year and there have been huge supply problems um, similar with grain in the midwest so we added the farm uh, and then we added we have an, uh, a, a large tap room in the Nulu area in Louisville and brewery there where we have a, a three barrel system where we're producing unique Nulu brews and doing lots of private events and that's been open we, uh, we actually were doing interviews to enter, open it right before the pandemic started. And so we put it on pause for about six months and then very gradually opened it this year. It's really going full bore uh, and it's, we're really excited to, to see what happens there. And then we've got a small um, location up in uh, Newport on the levee up there next to the aquarium and the movie theater that's been around there for a long time and, the, and a cool uh, environment they call the box park so it's essentially in a shipping container and we've got uh, with a bunch of other friends up there uh, you can go up and it's on the water it's really kind of a great place to spend uh, a, a nice day so we've got those four locations now so obviously you have such a great impact and as i said before wessex is incredibly charitable and gives back to the community in such an impactful way so why did you choose to start your charitable endeavors here at BGCF through creating a fund? How did that relationship start? Explain the process of that. Sure. So, you know, we, um, when we started West Six, like I said, we started with the goal, not just to making great beer, but having a positive impact to the communities we're a part of. And we measure that in three ways. One is, like I mentioned, said before, being environmentally friendly in everything we do. The second is being a, a great place to work. We try to um, really be an employee first organization. And uh, because of that, we've had some great longevity. Many, most of our folks have been there for for many, many years. Uh, and then third is to support the, the great works uh, that nonprofits are doing in our communities all around uh, and to try to create that sustainable funding source. You know, we committed in our initial founding documents to give at least 6% of all of our profits back to charities every year. Uh, and uh, we've done that from year one. We've been, we've much more than uh, given 6% of that. Um, and so we've actually been partnering with BGCF since early on um, through things like the Good Giving Guide Challenge, um, which the very first year launched uh, at West Sixth, um, to our Pay It Forward Coca Porter, um, which really launched to that party. And then we've uh, had since then, we give 50 cents of every six pack back to local charities. It just seemed, you know, we just had such a great relationship with BGCF from the very beginning um, that when we wanted to kind of more formalize our endeavors and our giving, um, doing that through a fund at BGCF just seemed like the, the, the easy and obvious choice. Yeah. And so you could very easily just sell great beer and just leave it at that, but you don't do that. You do way more. And why is impacting the community of value you uphold? You know, I, we're all a part of this community. Like we are a, a local craft brewery filled of 85 people that work and live in this community as well. And so the, the, the impact that we can have on this community, um, is, is mutually beneficial. And I, you know, I like to talk about this in a lot of our giving, like we, we look for win-win opportunities when partnering with nonprofits, because that's what makes it sustainable. You know, we were able to continue with our giving um, throughout the pandemic, even when times were tough, because we were able to find places where it was beneficial to the brewery and beneficial to the nonprofits. Uh, and really, you know, I don't think people need to be bashful about, you know, that, that sort of thing, because otherwise, if it's just, if it's just charity, the second that, um, things get tough or challenging, you know, that's the first thing that goes away. But when you've really built it into the core of your business and what, what you know, all of your business processes, um, then it's really just, just apart from the beginning. And so, you know, we, we really did um, want to have those positive impact. When, we, when we've given our, done our giving um, throughout the last 10 years, we really focused on nonprofits that are based out of or working in Kentucky. Um, you know, there's lots of great groups that are working on the international scale, um, solving um, really huge crises around the globe. But we really know that 
And they're also um, at a scale that, that we can't have a big impact on. And so um, being able to focus here locally has been, been key to that. Yeah, I love what you said about making it the core of, of what you do. I've, I've never really thought about it like that. That's great. And you and your, I've met your wife. I've interviewed her for this same podcast before. And <laughs> just through meeting her and her affiliation with the amazing nonprofit Food Chain, who is in the Good Giving Challenge that you described earlier. Shout out to her. Shout out to Food Chain. Um, you all are great examples of how to use your passion and your talents to, for a bigger purpose, like we've been talking about. So just for our listeners right now listening to this, what advice would you give them if they also want to latch on to a bigger purpose and how they can use their passion and their talent for something greater? You know, I think it's, I think it's really easy. I think, uh, and I think more and more people are starting to listen to it. You know, I think that uh, it's easy to get, uh, you know, came out of college, work for a consulting firm, work for a bank, work for an insurance company, all those sorts of things that obviously important um, organizations out there. But, you know, I think very quickly I found that it, it's really, really different when you're going to work and you're passionate about the kind of work you do. And you can find that passion in lots of ways, um, you know, being um, charitable or, or supporting the work of nonprofits is just wonderful. But I think um, it's so important to find that passion. Uh, and, and when you're having an impact or when you can't have an impact, uh, it just makes it so it's not work. It makes it so it's, you know, it's, it's a fun thing, fun thing to do on a daily basis. Yeah, sure. And what I love about this podcast is it's all about stories. We love stories and stories make a difference because they are tangible examples of your mission in action. So can you share a story from using West sixth philanthropically that has been particularly influential or just a story you'd like to share that you think our listeners would really enjoy? Well, I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit earlier, but the, the idea of the pay it forward Porter really is one that I think has been really impactful. So that was our, um, the pay it forward Coca Porter was our, third beer that we ever released in cans. Um, and we launched this beer initially um, at the launch of the Good Giving Guide Challenge. It must have been in 2013 or 2014, somewhere around there uh, in December. And that beer really, um, you know, it's not uh, a, a chocolate porter is not necessarily the um, uh, way that most craft beer is going these ways, but it's had such an impact on our business and our, on, on, on the community. You know, from the very beginning, we committed to giving 50 cents of every six pack uh, sold uh, back to a local nonprofit and to let our employees help select that nonprofit. So, uh, you know, we, we would get together as a group and people would nominate nonprofits and then we'd, we'd vote in, the, in each area, whether it's in Lexington or Louisville or Northern Kentucky or the rest of Kentucky. And, you know, through that, we've just been, you know, we've been able to give over $100,000 now back to local charities. We challenged our distributor partners to match us on that. So um, Clark Distributing and uh, River, here in Lexington and River City and Louisville uh, matched that donation. And then uh, we've had in the past where some of our retailers, friends like Liquor Barn have have uh, matched that as well. So it could be up to a buck 50 for every six pack. And so, you know, we've really been able to touch a, a variety of organizations there. Um, you know, throughout the state, there was a year where we uh, turned the top of that can pink and, uh, you know, supported Susan G. Komen throughout the, throughout the state, um, you know, and then we've had um, lots and lots of groups that have, that have come through that over the years. Part of the reason why I wanted to ask you to be a guest on this show is because you have really amazing, awesome stuff coming up at West 6th and BGCF wants to be an advocate for you all and all you're doing. So tell us about your upcoming events and this large milestone West 6th is about to reach. Yeah, so we're really excited. We're um, celebrating our tenth birthday this year. It's kind of kind of crazy. Uh, yeah, 
you know, when you start something from scratch, uh, it's really hard to envision what it's going to look like even two years in advance, much less 10. And so uh, it's been really, been really fun to, uh, to get there. So, um, you know, we are uh, celebrating at the end of March here. Uh, and we're uh, having a, a week's worth of celebrations. So it will all start on um, really on the, the uh, 19th here of March, where we'll do our homebrew competitions. We invite like 40 different uh, homebrew teams to come into the brewery and um, make a batch of beer uh, with our ingredients. And then um, we pick a winner and then that winner gets a scaled up batch of beer. And then we enter that into the um, National Great American Beer Fest competition as in the amateur category. So it's a, it's a fun uh, little experience for folks um, there. That Sunday is our um, kids day. So it's something from like 11 to three. Um, we invite all of like families have been such a key component to Wessex from the very beginning. And we're, you know, that's one of the great things about breweries is, uh, and they're family friendly. I've got seven-year-old twins. They, they, uh, know how to go down there. They, like it's, it feels like a, a third space even to them. So they, they love it. So we invite a magician in, we've got balloon animals, popcorn, all kinds of kids food, all that kind of fun stuff that starts at about 11 and goes till two or three, uh, that morning. Um, then on Wednesday, um, we really have our big celebration of our Six for a Cause Foundation, uh, which y'all will be down at. Uh, we've invited all the nonprofits from uh, the last ten years that we've worked with that we could that we could find and remember uh, to come down. And uh, if we missed you, please come in anyway. <laughs> but uh, sometimes these email addresses get a little stale. But uh, we're gonna just celebrate the uh, giving um, that we that we've had throughout the year and uh, throughout the years and. Uh, really just have a big celebration of, of, of all that. Um, that Thursday will be our local MASH event, which is one of our favorites for our birthday. We've done it now for four or five years. Um, we invite six or seven local chefs to come in um, from the Lexington area, and uh, they get to pick their favorite Wessex beer, and then they get to pair a food dish with that. And so um, it's a ticket event. You go down and you get to try all the food and try all the beers, uh, and they kind of different spots throughout our brewery. Um, it's a really cool experience um, that, that sells out every year. So if you're interested in doing that, you should uh, get tickets early. Um, then that Friday, we're doing a kind of an alumni and friends for inviting anybody who's worked with us or for us in the past 10 years to come back and hang out with us at uh, night. And then that Saturday is the big event. Um, we're going to shut down the street there on Bel Air Avenue and have a big old uh, party um, for, uh, for, for that day. So um, it's, you know, we'll do beer releases. We've got uh, 10 years of beers where we brought a beer back from uh, each of the 10 years that, uh, that we've, that we've been around, that, that was something that we've got bottle releases. It's just going to be uh, we'll have live music. It'll be, it'll be real fun. So it's going to be exciting, uh, tiring, but uh, fun and exciting week, Beth. Yeah. I don't want anybody to miss anything you just said. So can you shout out where people can find out more about you, your website, your social media, anything so they can keep up with all the amazing things yeah i didn't know you were going to every day that's amazing <laughs> yeah it's 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 a lot so that's no worries you know we find you can find all the information on our website uh, west6.com uh you can also uh um, find out more information on facebook there's a, a facebook event for uh west six birthday um which is an easy easy win as well well, I love it, Ben. Thank you so much. And I'll leave it at that kind of as a call to action for our listeners to go support West Six because supporting you is supporting so many other aspects of our community because you truly do good, as we like to say at BBCF, and you give back what you're given. So thank you for sharing your story with us and for making Lexington a more fun and better place. Thanks for having me on and let me, let me share. Appreciate it.
The Do Good Radio Hour is a podcast that promotes sharing stories about the good happening within our community, and we want to advocate for leaders in our community who are spearheading challenging work that is making a tangible difference. I was excited when Dawn Runyon, who runs Green.Lexton, reached out to be on the show, and she's going to share more about her story and the work she and her team are doing to change the future of Lexington through this organization. Hey, Dawn, tell us a little background about you before we dive into all that Green Dot has for Lexington. Hello, Kate, and thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate the opportunity. I love what you do, so I thank you for highlighting those individuals and and groups that are working to to do good things in the city. So um, I am uh, a transplant to Lexington. I've been here for about 22 years, though, so people tell me I'm I'm from here now. I just have to say that. Uh, But I have been working with the city of Lexington for about three years now, I started uh, in 2019 and I came to this work specifically with the social services department and their domestic and sexual violence prevention program because it was just kind of part of who I am. Uh, I'm originally from Huntsville, Alabama. I'm the daughter of a teen mom. My mom was 13 when she got pregnant with me. And yes, so we're very, very close in age and in relationship. Um, But unfortunately, because of her her youth um, and just kind of the environment we were in, we experienced a lot of domestic violence, abusive relationships. Um, She unfortunately, we spent a lot of time fleeing relationships um, and, and trying to get into places of safety. And luckily she had a lot of family throughout the United States where we could travel all over and always have a safe place. Um, but, you know, um, that type of violence just never was very far from me growing up. Um, I experienced um, childhood sexual trauma um, uh, as a, a result of just the situations that we found ourselves in. And once I grew up and started having relationships of my own, they were unhealthy. I hadn't really had a good example. Um, she was young and didn't have the great example. And so we were both learning how to navigate and have relationships that were healthy and left us, um, making good choices. And so after a number of years as an adult, recognizing trauma that I had experienced and that I had developed poor communication skills and coping skills and and didn't really understand and value what it meant to be healthy and in a healthy relationship, I got the therapy that I needed, worked on myself, and it's just always been a passion of mine to reach back and work with youth uh, and women and men who have dealt with that same sort of trauma or have had uh, those sorts of abusive relationships in their past. So this work really just kind of popped out to me uh, that it was an opportunity uh, to not necessarily um, work with victims or survivors who have dealt with this, but by virtue of working with community members and making them aware of experiences like mine and also recounting their own experiences and getting them connected to this issue because of the number of people who are impacted by domestic and sexual violence and child abuse, they now have an opportunity to come around individuals like myself and help us make choices for safety for ourselves and for others. And so that's a long way of saying how I got to this work, but I think it's really important to understand because it's it's what Green Dot is about is connecting individuals in the community to the 
to make them aware that we're not in silos, uh, that domestic and sexual violence impacts so many people right around us and has probably impacted each of us personally in one way or another. And yet we can often feel like, what do we do about it? It's just the norm. It's just what happens. But with this program, with this strategy, we're able to give people an opportunity to see that we actually can do something to make a difference and to, and to change this for individuals so children don't have to grow up with the same sort of story. Right. Thank you for sharing your story, first of all. And I love this concept of breaking cycles. We've heard your story and look at what you're doing now. You are helping break those cycles in other people's lives, which is very powerful. So tell us more about that, more of the mission and the values of Green Dot Lexington and the programs you do. Sure. So, um, and again, Green Dot is actually a nationally recognized violence prevention strategy that seeks to engage community members around the idea that they have uh, the ability and even the responsibility to help make safe choices for the individuals that they encounter. Uh, the program was actually developed right here in Lexington in the early 2000s at the University of Kentucky and is now nationally as well as I believe internationally going it's going internationally Um, and so um, it works to uh, empower people with the tools to be able to step in in situations where um, sexual violence intimate partner or domestic abuse child abuse and stalking um, may be um, happening So it um, gives people the awareness of what those types of abuses can look like, what that type of violence looks like, gives you warning signs, helps you to understand and recognize what some of those potential signs could be to kind of key you in that there is a situation going on. So before it even happens, uh, we help people to kind of have their senses heightened on how they can recognize that there might be a situation going on. And then it gives them the tools that they need to be able to step in and make a choice for safety. Um, With my story, it took a a young woman who was very wise to look at my situation and said, that's not right. That's not normal. And she made a choice. She didn't know what the outcome was going to be. She didn't know how I would respond, how my family would respond, but she made a choice for safety for me 30 years ago. And that, completely changed my life and again put me in this place where I want to give that opportunity to others. Um, So with the Green Dot strategy, uh, we are hoping to kind of just re-invite people or invite people to actually reconsider their own personal role in ending and reducing rates of harm in our communities by being invested, uh, by making a choice to speak up when they see or hear something that just does not set well or, or make someone uncomfortable. And of course, we're, we're, the timing is perfect to kind of implement this into our cities because we see internationally around the world that there's been this movement over the years where now we are understanding that our silence only helps the violence. And so if we are going to create a change, it starts with us and that we actually can use our voices and make the choices. And Green Dot, you know, I think we all believe that people want to do something. Most often, they're just not really sure what it is. And so this gives people the permission 
And it also empowers them with uh, some very simple tools to be able to step in and, and do something when they see something that isn't right. That's a great segue into my next question. I saw small actions for a better city. I think that's a phrase you use. Yeah, mm -hmm. so tell us more about the small actions, whether it's your programming or your, the action steps people take. Help me, help me learn. So do people come for a class? Is it schooling mm -hmm. or, and do they come to a building or how does all this work? Right. So uh, the Green Dot strategy is generally implemented during a six hour in-person training, pretty intensive, uh, where we would invite uh, specific individuals in the community, those people who um, others look up to, listen to, those, those go-getters in the communities that when they say something's not right, people listen. We would have those individuals come to a training. We would do, again, some awareness activities to help them recognize what are these things? Uh, what is domestic violence? What does it look like? So we give that sort of information throughout the training. We talk about the barriers because again, we know most people wanna do something, they just often don't know what to do or they are experiencing some internal dilemma or anxiety that prevents them from doing something. And we all have those, we call them those barriers. And so we talk about those. Um, and then we give them strategies that we call, or the tools that we call the three Ds. Um, those are just three very um, innocuous or non-confrontational steps that they can take to step in. And so that's to do something direct. Um, that's the first D, do something direct. And it can be as simple as just seeing a couple that look uh, where one of them looks uncomfortable and the other one may look a little aggressive and just saying, hey, is everything okay? Is there anything that you need? Can I do something for you? Or if you're a little bolder, maybe saying, hey, I don't think she or he feels comfortable. I think you need to back off. I need to think you need to stop saying that. That can be that simple. Uh, the second D would be to delegate. Um, oftentimes there's, you know, we know there's safety in numbers and it helps to have someone else maybe step in uh, and help us out. So maybe giving someone that we see in this situation who may be better equipped to, to say something or do something. Maybe someone that's Close, closer in relationship with the individuals that you're seeing. Maybe they have a different authority uh, that you feel those people will listen to. So bringing someone else into the situation to assist. And then the third is to distract. Uh, and that can be as simple as telling the joke, uh, accidentally tripping over something, knocking something over, anything that takes the attention away from that situation that may be escalating something that could allow um, the people involved in that situation to kind of decompress from that that anger or that frustration that you're seeing so you're just those are just practical tools to help individuals to de-escalate and the cool thing about green dot is it it doesn't actually tell individuals what to do uh, in the trainings the individuals are the ones who are actually coming up with the responses ways that can creatively think of to de-escalate a situation. So I love it because every time we do a training, I learn from it. Uh, I get even more tools and more things. I think one of the funnest ones I got once was someone saying they set off their car alarm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I always have my keys. I never thought about it. If I'm in the parking lot near my vehicle and I'm hearing or seeing something, I can press that panic button on my 
keys and it's going to create a moment of uh, distraction. And in that moment, if someone was at harm, they may either be able to get away from that potential aggressor or at a very, uh, or at a base level, those individuals might at least stop that argument, looking around, recognizing that, oh my gosh, what am I thinking? I'm out here yelling and screaming. I need to calm down, you know, so it can be that simple. The program, as I said, is generally done in six hours, but thanks to the lockdown, <laughs> thanks to the pandemic, uh, we had to get really creative. And so we developed a virtual training opportunity. And that has just been phenomenal because it has taken what we would provide in six hours and it has reduced that down to a two hour platform in which we provided over Zoom. And that's enabled us to be able to reach even more individuals than we ever have before. And working with people and their struggle and their hurt is real <laughs> and it's hard, but it is such a powerful connector and redemption, I feel, is one of the most powerful tools. And so I know your work is extremely rewarding, and I just want you to share what has been one of the most rewarding experiences you've had working with Green Dot. What helps me the most, what, what I really get, you know, just it gets me buzzing, it gets me excited, is seeing the hope that this program brings to individuals. Um, where once we just thought, again, this is just the norm, this is the way it's going to be, now, when they start to learn about how simple it can be and when they start to engage with the material and recognize that they can actually do something, even in a very small way, it inspires them and gives them hope that we actually can do something about this. We, we can change this. This doesn't have to be the norm. Um, the, when I first started, one of the booths that I set up, we had a woman who came and she had two young girls with her. And through our conversation, I learned that basically they were here um, fleeing a domestic violence situation from another state. And so they were here uh, trying to reestablish their lives. And as I was going through kind of a short overview of the program and doing our activity there at the festival where we were, one of the daughters said to me, I'm so glad that you're telling people that they can do something because I wish someone had done something when my mommy was being hurt. And that just, it melted me and it, it reminded me of, who, you know, how I felt as a little girl sitting, you know, wondering why doesn't someone do something? Is anyone going to say something? And so knowing now that people are getting empowered and are wanting to, because as we've been getting the word out, people are starting to reach out to us. How can I get this? This is something I want to do. I want to be a part of this. I, I'm not sure what to say. I'm not sure what to do. And so just that, that hope that individuals are getting that there is something we can do. And it doesn't have to be some huge ginormous thing. And I don't have to create some new program or whatever. There are just some basic uh, steps that I, you, anyone as an individual can do uh, to help create and make a change uh, for the better in our community. Yeah, wow, that story is, is powerful. And, and this podcast are all about stories. So thank you for sharing that. I just wanted to know, this question just popped into my head, just throughout your work, if there were any misconceptions or perceptions people have of this type of work that you would like to combat or, you know, people think usually think this about violence prevention or you just want to speak into areas where there might be some 
misconception or things people might not understand or know that are actually very true. Right. Yeah. I think probably one of the things is just um, people feel like getting involved um, is dangerous. They, they always think it's so dangerous. You know, I think whenever we're doing the training, most people are like, I don't want to say anything. You know, that's one of those barriers that it's going to, it's going to come back on me, you know, and it's other people, it's their business. So you shouldn't say anything. I think that's some of the, um, the, misnomers or those myths that we have around violence prevention. Um, also that uh, I think the myth that, well, you know, especially when it comes to domestic violence, so many people think, well, she must like it. She keeps going back to him. She stays. Um, and so through this strategy, as well as some of the other things we're able to provide when teaching, a, you know, awareness about domestic violence, what it looks like, why it's happening, uh, why individuals stay, it helps them realize that, oh, okay, it's not just black and white, it's not just what I see, and that if I think, if I want things to be different, I can say, and I can do something to, to make it different. So I think, I guess I would probably just want people to recognize that, again, it, it can be very simple, and sometimes too simple, just, you know, it's kind of like, nothing's free. Can't, can't be free. Well, can't be simple. It can be simple. Um, again, those small actions and they don't have to be confrontational. We're not asking people to step in and, and start a fight with a guy who they see is, is hurting a woman. We're not trying to create violence to stop violence. Uh, we just want people to uh, look to their community and look at the individuals in their neighborhoods and recognize that we're all a part of the same uh, village, the same community, the same city, and we all deserve to be safe. And so how is that going to happen if we don't each do our part to say or do something? That was exactly what I was looking for. That was a great answer. But I like at the end of these interviews, just to make this an active participation kind of podcast. So what do you want our listeners to take away from hearing your story and hearing about Green Dot? What action should come of it? What advice do you have for those listening who are like, oh, wow, that sounds like something I would really want to get involved with? Mm -hmm. Well, they can definitely contact us. <laughs> We're always looking for um, everything from volunteers to individuals to help us creating and, and extending our messaging out into the community, individuals who want to see their community groups get involved. You know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, man, yeah, that's something I wish we did at my school, or I wish we did at my church, or I wish my office would well, we provide that training. We're able to do that. And we're looking for what we call green dot spots. And with green dot spots, those individuals are seeking to train a minimum of 15% of their members, their staff, um, their, their organization in the bystander intervention program. With that, that's going to help us to come around the community members. The more organizations and places that we have that are green dot spots, the more people recognize that community members are saying violence will not be tolerated around me and I expect everyone else to do their part. So that's going to help to create a, a shift in our community, in our thinking, 
where people don't feel that it's going to be okay for them to say or do anything to anyone because people actually care and people are actually watching. So that's one of the ways that individuals listening can, can get involved by asking us to provide this to any groups or organizations that they belong to. On our website and our Facebook and our Instagram pages, we're always putting out tools and tips and reminders of ways people can do a simple green dot spot. Individuals can sign up and take the trainings that we offer. We do provide at least one monthly community training where anyone who's interested can register and attend, participate virtually in one of our trainings. And they're fun, interactive, engaging. We do activities. We have a really good time uh, in that two hours. And while it is only the intro really into what we do, we continue to provide uh, what we call booster sessions and information that can help them to, to submit that even further. But the one proactive green dot that anybody can do is to just start speaking and thinking in a manner that encourages healthy and safety behaviors and relationships. I love that. Can you shout out specifically your website and your social media and all that just so people have an exact place to go? Because I know they'll want to find out more about you. Definitely. They can find us on the web at lexingtonky.gov forward slash green dot. They can find us on Facebook and Instagram at green dot lex. So if they put in Green Dot Lexington, they're going to find us. If they Google it, they're going to find us going to our website or Instagram and Facebook. And I'm not the best so at social media. So if there's anyone listening who wants to help me with that, I would love to have them come and volunteer, uh, getting our messaging out even more and doing some better uh, engagement in our social media sites. But they definitely can find us there. We have pledge forms that they can fill out. Again, it's a personal commitment that they're saying, you know what, I want to be a part of the solution. I agree to talk about healthy relationships in my home with my kids. I think if we can, the younger we can start um, teaching those healthy behaviors and ways to respond in conflict, the better off we'll be as a society in the near and long distance future. That's so true. I feel like Green Dot has the ability to expand. There's so much that it can do and so so many places it can grow. And so it's exciting to have you on now and who knows what could happen from here on out. That seems like the things are really rolling and things are changing and it sounds like a great organization for people to get involved in. So yeah, Dawn, thank you so much for the work you were doing in violence prevention and helping Lexington become a better place. So we appreciate you telling your story and we can't wait to see what comes of it in the future. Kate, thank you so very much for having me. I appreciate this. Thank you. Yeah. All right, everyone. That is it. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you were encouraged by the stories of good happening right here in our community. I definitely know that I am. Make sure you tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. for more good stories and the next installment of the Do Good Radio Hour.